Praise God. He's good all the time. I just want to start off in prayer more for myself than for you guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this mouthpiece you've given me, Lord. I pray that it pours out with your words and not my own, Lord. I just pray that there's a heart here ready to be blessed, that there are open hearts here ready to receive your word, Lord. And I just pray that I just shut up and you say what you need to say. Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I've got to stop getting really big books. I'm running out of room. All right, make a difference. I came to tell you guys that each and every one of you are a potential difference maker in Jesus' name. We don't have the power to do it, but He does, and He loves to use us to do that. So I've been asked to share on making a difference in your family, and this is actually uh, a bit of a scary one for me, and I'll just open my Bible. How do I make a difference in my family? How do I make a difference in my family when I'm the only one who believes in Christ? Not talking about my immediate family, but my extended family. How do I make a difference in my family when all I see are roadblocks and brick walls that I can't overcome or I don't have the strength to push over? When all I see is cynics and when all I hear is cynicism and disbelief, eye-rolling and, oh, here we go again. And the answer is that I can't. I can't myself, and there's a measure of faith that I need to have. And it's just by that simple act of believing that I am able to initiate change. And I'm going to read you a scripture here out of Matthew 5:14 to 15. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives life, light and life to everyone in the house. Everyone in the house. You can sit in a house with your eyes closed and say, I don't believe in the light. But it's still going to be there. It's still going to shine. And you're still going to be able to see. And it's just by the simple act of believing that we light that light. And Christ does the rest. I was humming and hurrying. God brought me to this scripture and I thought, that's a bit heavy, God. And I've been doing this little battle between myself and God. No, I don't want to say this scripture, God, because it's a bit heavy. And he's been going, no, read it out. (laughs) So I'm going to read out here, Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Don't imagine, this is Jesus speaking. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. 
If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And I'm thinking, so I'm called to do battle with my family. Now, I thought that was a bit heavy, because if I take up arms and do battle with my family, if I take up arms and do battle with my family, that's not going to bring them to Christ. That's going to make them go, oh, my son's a religious zealot. (laughs) We need to sort him out. But what Jesus is saying there is that if you compromise, if you compromise for your family, which is essentially, that's essentially me saying, I can't do it, I'm just going to go with it. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about going, you guys are wrong, come in, start fighting, follow Christ, or I'm out. No. He's talking about compromise. When it comes to Christ, there is no compromise. So if I were to just go in and say, nah, I can't do it, I give up, well, I'm, and, and just go with whatever they're saying, then I'm loving my father and my mother more than I love Christ. And I'm saying, God, you don't have the power to change them. You don't have the power to bring them in. I'm not displaying faith. So when he's saying, do, when he's saying here, I will pit sons against their fathers, daughter-in-laws against their mother-in-laws. <laughs> He's saying that you're going to have to make a choice in your heart and you're going to have to stick with it. We don't have to do battle with them. We just need to pray for them. We just need to plant a seed and allow God to grow it. We are the light and all we have to do is shine. There's no effort in that. It's just being. It's just believing. And the darkness flees. There's no battle between light and darkness. When you flick a light switch, the darkness is gone. There's no battle. There's no fighting. It just is. It just flees. And that's all we're called to do. Someone came to Jesus. I did find the scripture, but I haven't got it here. But someone came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I, I, we want to do. we want to do the work of God. Tell us what to do. Tell us what to do. And Jesus turned around and he says, the only thing God wants you to do is believe in he he sent, in the son he sent. Yeah? That is actually the only thing God needs you to do. God wants you to do. And we just have to have faith that from that, God can work. And I'm going to read this scripture just going to put this down here. Mark 4, 26, 29, Jesus tells the parable of the growing seed. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, 
The farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. We're the farmers, and all we have to do is let our light shine and plant seeds. Trust in God, and the growth will spring from Him. It's not our job to go out there and try and change people and try and reshape people and try and reform people and try and inform them and tell them that they have to live a certain way or be a certain way. That's not our job. Our job is to believe in Christ, shine for Him, plant seeds in just the way we are, and trust that God will do the rest. Because He has that power to do that. I know because He did it in me. My wife didn't come to me and go, no, if we're going to get married, you have to change everything you're doing. You have to rethink everything you think. Her family didn't come to me and say, you're doing it wrong. This is right. They just loved me because they knew and understood that's what they're called to do. Just love, just shine, just plant seeds and just have faith that God will grow them. So, amen, eh? We just plant seeds, plant seeds. We want those seeds to come from a good place too. We want the light to shine from a good place. So when it comes to changing others, we quickly realize that it's not actually about changing others. It's about what we have in here, how we are, how our walk with Christ is. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So be mindful of where your heart is before you go trying to change others. Amen? Give God the authority over your family. Pray that He guides your steps to lead by righteous example. Righteous example. We are the light. Don't shine, don't shine from under a basket. This is the word God gave me. I'm sorry if that doesn't amount to the time I'm required to, but I'll just pray for that. Jesus, we just pray that you guide our steps, that you watch our heart condition, Lord. We just pray that we look to you and everything. We pray that the only work we feel we need to do, we need to strive for, Lord, is just believe in you, believe in the sacrifice that you made, Lord, and that from there, we will shine out into the darkness, and the darkness will flee instantly, like a light switch thrown on in our households and our extended family, Lord. We just pray that they see your glory in everything that we do and the steps that we take, Lord, that they're guided by you, that you take delight in every single thing that we do in obedience to you, Lord, and from there, changes are made in our families, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good on you, Reuben. Awesome, mate. Right. My um, scripture this morning is from um, Ephesians chapter 6. And it says this, And now a word to you fathers. 
Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. My learning outcome is this. Time spent in building relationship is pure gold and most accurately communicates love. Um, to my way of thinking, you know, family, and I define family as husband, wife, and children, is God's idea. And this idea, as we speak, is under attack uh, worldwide. I just want to give you, um, you know, a series of testimonies about my um, history as a father and relate that to family. To me, family is all of these. Awesome, terrifying, challenging, rewarding, traumatic, funny, tearful, joyful, stressful, and fulfilling. That's um, pretty much sums it up to me. Um, I, I did have some photos, but um, technically it's not happening this morning. Um, a few weeks ago, I had my son Nathan here. Um, in 2001, we were farming um, on, a, on our farm out at uh, Otawa, which is about 13 k's west of Kaikui. And um, in 2001, um, the farm was going well. Nathan was about 12 years old. Um, we had taken on the challenge of homeschooling our children, which we dedicated our lives to for 12 years, um, Glennis and myself. And this, is, this is a father's testimony. You know, my mate's sitting there, um, and she's been an in integral part of, of our lives and our family. Awesome, awesome lady. We just we do things slightly differently. And at, at the time, um, doing stock work, I was um, running a cyanide line for possums, and for an hour and a half and two hours every morning, Nathan would come with me. And we'd talk about everything from sex to the solar system, and I mean that <laughs> literally. And we'd um, cyanide possums, and we'd move stock, and, and we'd just talk, just talk. And it was humbling recently that um, a friend of Nathan's in Auckland said to Nathan, what was the highlight of your childhood, and he said, um, my two hours with dad every morning, walking around the farm, and that, that really humbled me. Um, fast forward to 2005, we'd had a big flood come through the farm, we'd lost both our vehicles, I'd made some um, inappropriate management decisions on the farm, we were in debt. Um, this particular morning, I came off the farm, I'd been up at four in the morning, um, red calves, shifted bulls come in um, to have breakfast. Some of the children had gone back to school at the stage, some were working, and um, I sat down at the table to have breakfast, and, and the, the boys were just going to wind Dad up, just going to wind Dad up. You know, I was in the red already. You can depict that as being in high revs or empty, um, whichever way you want to go in the red, and they just wound me up. The oldest boy was doing all the pumping, and Nathan, Nathan was taking all the flack. So the bottom line, um, I said to him, well, why don't you guys just shut up? And if you don't, I'm going to come outside, take you outside and punch your head in. And that's literally, and, and it just went, just went. Nathan um, got upset, split. He was working at the Koko Christian School at the time. Um, it was just uh, absolute, you know, just, out to lunch. Glennis would have her own opinion. She was there. Um, Aaron, who was at church last week um, for Mother's Day, he had no shirt on. He's quite big. He stood up 
like this and marched up. He was going to take Dad out, you know. <laughs> I am the alpha male. That's sort of where he was at. I, um, I, I just went to split. Um, I rang up um, my pastor, Alison Shaw, and I said to her, you've got one upset young man coming into school this morning. And she said, Dave, I've got it. I went up the farm, um, sat down on the hills, had a good cry, and I thought, I've blown it. You know, I've stuffed it up. And, um, you know, you've got to realise that as a dad, uh, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of pride in providing for your family. And, and, you know, all I wanted to, the only ambition I had in life was to be a good dad. And I was sitting up on the hills at Otawa there thinking, man, Ramsey, you have balls that up big time. <laughs> um, last, last Monday night, I was um, minding my own business, having a barbecue at home, and um, I heard raised voices at my neighbours. Young couple, early 20s, had a bit of a relationship with them already. And um, the voice tones, the volume was rising. I said to Glennis, um, mate, I'm going down there. You come and take over the barbie. So I went down and stood by the hedge, and uh, he was standing over her. There was words of suicide. There was words of hatred. And, and I felt really, um, I did not feel frightened for myself. I just felt frightened for them. So I got through the hedge, and I went, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but I said, bro, you know, you guys okay? Yeah, Dave, we're fine, mate. We're sweet. No, they were not sweet. So I, I was determined that I was going to keep, keep going. So the girl split, and I put my hand on this boy's shoulder, and he was crying, and he was stressed to the max. There was a little bit of alcohol involved, and, and I just cried too. I cried with this young man because I'd been there. You know, I'd been overcome by anger and stress, and I just cried with him. I put my hand on my shoulder. And I said, mate, I'm, I'm fearful. I you know, called him by his name. And I said, man, I'm scared for you. Man, you're just, it's going too far. I said, have you hit her? He said, no. And, and you know, we just went through it because, you know, my concern was, you know, it goes too far. The police get involved. You know, it's all history. And so just settling down. I didn't say anything super spiritual. But in my heart, I just felt love for this young man. No judgment at all. Just pure love. I've just prayed for him since. You don't have to be weird about these things, but it brought back that instance with Nathan. And, um, you know, fast forward a few years, you know, we, we apologized um, to each other because, you know, we'd both been, well, I'd been really in the wrong. I apologized. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to forgive yourself and move on, let other people forgive you. Um, yeah, that, that's... that's um, my testimony on that one, our oldest son, um, Matthew, he lives and works in um, Northern Territory of Australia. At this particular time, he was in a, a northern um, West Australian town called Kununara. Glennis and I phoned him because we were going to visit him, and we got reaction. Ah, ah, you know, what are you going to do? Come visit me with your religious... You know, don't, don't come, you know, I don't want this, you know, I'm in this particular situation, we don't want your judgment on my life, and, and you know, you just, and then, click, you know, and, and I see the Glennis, whoa, you know, are we even going to go? You know, should we even bother putting the money into airfares? And then, and then it clicked, you know, it's just, just clicked exactly what Reuben was talking about, man, this is, this is spiritual warfare, we're going to love this boy no matter what, we're going to press in there, we're going to accept him wherever he's at. 
and uh, I said to Glenn, I said, we're going to pray, mate. We're going to pray, and we did spiritual warfare. We just broke that thing off that boy's life because we know we'd sown a lot of time into that boy and loved him. And the next time we rang, it was sweet. It was just like, you know, different boy. Went there, had an awesome visit with um, with Matthew, and it just changed. In 2013, he brought his girlfriend out um, from Aussie. I um, They said they were going to go camping, you know, no stress, Dad, don't overreact. So Dad overreacted. I filled up my ute with all the camping gear that I possessed. I drove to Auckland. I gave them the ute. I slept in the airport overnight and then flew home, and they did their trip. She came and uh, They came and stayed with us. Um, this particular girl called a, caused a little bit of controversy in our family, um, and we just said, nah, we're going to love her. And um, we just loved her, loved her, had her in our home. And when she left, she was crying at the airport um, when we put them on the plane, and she said to Matthew, tell your mum and dad, thank you for loving me. And that, that, was, just, you know, that was just a complete 180-degree shift from... Um, this, this next one, um, I'm going to get so much trouble for this, but um, uh, my, my daughter always says to me, Dad, if, are you preaching today? Yep. Better not be about me, she says. <laughs> she says, my, my, my life, Dad, is not a sermon illustration. <laughs> Girls are different. From a dad's point of view, you know, with my boys, I've had them in the bush with me since they were six or seven years old. Um, done motorbikes, um, kayaks, extreme adventures. Rachel's a little bit different. You want to go for a hike today, Rach? Nah. Nah, not doing that. Waste of time. Get my hair dirty, you know, that sort of stuff. And so I, I was really um, pressing in there for a way to connect with my daughter. So 10 or 12 years after my shepherding years, I went back to riding horses and doing pony club things. She would stand in the middle of the arena, and this was out at the Pākaraka Pony Club, a um, lady called um, Charlotte. And she'd say to me, Dad, I'm going to pretend to be Charlotte today. So she'd stand in the middle of the arena with a whip, and I'd be on the horse doing the little jumps. <laughs> Dad, pull your knees together. You know, Dad, keep your heels and all this sort of... But as she got into her um, teens, there was a... Um, I was struggling to connect with this girl, so I prayed, you know, Lord, what can I do? You know, what can I do to connect with her? This is like 17, 18 years old. And so I really felt I'm going to start reading her books after her, you know, um, some of her trilogies and all this. So that's what I did. I started reading her books, and then we'd talk about the content and, the, you know, what was in the books and and, and that was a point of contact. And then there was a little bit more of a gap, and I decided... Um, in a moment of insanity, um, that I was going to actually go into her room, lie on her floor, and read these books. And of course, the response was instantaneous. Dad, get out of here. You are such a retard. What are you doing? And then, and then the other extreme was, um, Glennis, come and get your husband out of here. And so I, I persisted, you know, after, over the weeks, and I would go in there, and then it got to the stage where um, all I would get when I lay on the floor to read a book was a... <sighs> <laughs> and, the, and then one day this happened. She said to me, um, this, you know, I'd been reading there. She'd been doing her um, study and that. Um, and, of course, her environment of study is music. <laughs> I don't know how that, that works, but never mind. <laughs> Um, and, and the other thing I found was teenage girls hate it when their parents sing along to their music. 
and start playing their CDs in your car? And I thought that was just me identifying, no, Dad, that's sick. That's weird. And so, you know, I got through that. But one, one day this, this happened, and she said to me, Dad, um, what about this, what do you think of this boy? And inside me, I thought, he's an idiot. You know, don't have anything to do with him. Invite him around here, you know, we'll shoot him, we'll run his car over with my tractor. <laughs> and that's just inside, you know, I was thinking, no, don't have anything to do with boys until, you know, you're over 25. You know, they're poisonous, you know. Don't know. And, and the, the, this, this, is what, this is what came out, um, and, and it was just purely the Holy Spirit. And um, these words came out of my mouth, and, and I said to Rach, I said, Rach, I don't trust any boy, but I trust you. Yeah. And I trust you to make the right decisions, to be responsible. I believe you're a good woman. And in the end, Rach, you're going to figure it out for yourself, and I'm just going to love you and back you up um, no matter what happens. And, and I cop a bit of stick because of my parenting style, and Glennis and I would have more arguments over the years <laughs> over parenting than any other single subject. Uh, we, we had, I know I'm going a little bit here, but no, just, just one or two more points. And um, we had the privilege of having, um, where's Sarah? She's here somewhere. Sarah's sister lived with us for two years, <clears throat> and I copped stick. I copped stick from um, Glennis and um, this, um, our niece's mother, they would say to me, David, you spoil her so much. And my mate here would say, when I was going to school, my parents made me walk in the rain. <laughs> and, you know, if there was a little bit of rain, I'd take Renee to school. And I'd be up the bus driver. It was quite a joke with the bus driver. I'd be at the end of our road, pick her up if there was so much of a drizzle. And my thinking was, you know, I'm spending time with this kid. You know, you're trying to force her to walk in the rain. Who cares about rain? It just gives me 30 minutes to spend with this kid. Sometimes you wouldn't say anything. Other times, she'd be pouring your heart out. And that's my learning outcome, you know, to spend time with them. Um, this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Discipline and instruction for dads. Not dads telling the child, hey, you do this, you do that. This is my style of parenting. Are you guys take it or leave it? And, and, and it's, it's discipline to listen and think before I, before I talk. It's a discipline to love Glennis. It's a discipline to listen to the Holy Spirit and be full of grace. To love before I leap. So I'll just read you my learning outcome again, and, and that's, that's it for me. Time spent in building relationship is pure gold and most accurately communicates love. Father, I just thank you. I just thank you for that's the way you've treated us. Father, I, I just, for my life, all the struggles and hassles and dramas that have gone on, you, you've just loved me and poured out your grace upon me, and I just really believe that's what Jesus is about. So, Father, I just pray for each and every single parent here, potential parent, young person. Father, I just pray that they will have that revelation of grace and understanding and peace. And, Father, that each of us would make the decision to let you love us. Because I know, Father, we can't give anything that we haven't got. And it's about just receiving your love that can outflow into our families and our children and friends. And, and thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. What, one last thought I just want to leave you, that when I went down to talk to that young neighbor of mine, the thing that it showed me was that I'm not just a father to my own children. Yeah. And, you know, we can, we can be, the fatherhood is, is a spiritual gift. It's not just for my four children, it's for, for others, you know. So that, that's what it's about. So sweet. Thank you.